two members of the band Mandolin Orange and Savannah Smith. And as always, there'll be some new music that has recently come into the station, and I will also dig into my bluegrass vinyl collection for a few rare recordings that you will not hear anyplace else but here on Bronzewound. So please join me, Darwin Davidson, on Thursday, May 24th from 8 to 10 p.m. for a lot of great bluegrass music as always. See you Thursday. Hi, Darwin Davidson here. Thank you all. WERU is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. Thank you. You're listening to WERU 89.9 in Bangor, 99.9 in... uh, 99.9 99.9 in Bangor and 89.9 in Blue Hill. We're streaming all over the place at weru.org. And we're going to be coming to Let's Talk Animals in just a second. Looking for a very, very hot tomorrow. So watch out there. High of 88 and sunny. Beware of what you are facing on the morrow. Let's Talk Animals. Good morning. This is your host, Dr. John Hunt, for Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks to Zebras. Uh, We are live uh, this month, and I invite all my listeners to call 207-469-0500 for any questions, comments. I'll try to remind uh, my listeners that phone number during the hour. And uh, once again, we're uh, going to talk about dogs today. Very special guest. Uh, Vernita Lyons. Good morning, Vernita. How are you? Hi, wonderful. Good morning. <laughs> uh, she has written a book, a very interesting book about her dog, Josie. And Josie's here with us uh, with a little bit of skunk smell. A little bit of skunk smell this morning, what, yes. That's what dogs do. <laughs> <laughs> They're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, she got into it. Uh, we knew that there was a skunk around in, in the yard. I had seen evidence. But, of course, we waited until... Almost eleven thirty, a couple of nights ago, to go out for that final pee walk, right? And um, it's always the final one. There was the skunk, and there we were. <laughs> that and porcupines; those are the calls I used to get. Emergency porcupines. Calls. She has done very well with. Uh, she got into entangled into one once. Uh, she ended up in the emergency vet at uh, about midnight, and I had taken out. Most of them, most of the quills, except they were around in her uh, elbow, and I couldn't get them out, and they were too painful. So we took them in, and um, anyway, there was a total of a hundred quills, over a hundred quills that we had taken out of her. So uh, after, ever since then, she sees one in the yard, and she just backs Smart right away girl. and heads back for the house. I used to see repeat offenders on... And I, I, that's what I tell her. I'm, we're darn lucky. <laughs> yes, very good. So yep. this is a, a book called Josie's Story from Rescue to Service Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's wonderfully put together. I think one of the things that I really like about this book is the, the colored photographs are exceptional. Thank you. And when I read this book, there are a few pearls that I really in, really liked that you said. It's, it's, it's a pleasant story, but there's some real real good messages, some, a couple of messages that I read got out of this. Wonderful. So Thank hopefully you. Hopefully we'll, we'll good. talk about that. That's, that's, the, that's the hope <laughs> for <Good>. people. <laughs> so uh, I think the first thing is what prompted you to write this book in the first place? Actually, it was her idea. Okay. And I had known for well, – first of all, she's a rescue. I got her when she was 15 months old. A lot of work because she had had no training, nothing. She couldn't even walk on a leash. So um, I knew from early on that uh, she had wanted to be able to give back to shelters and rescue groups because she's from a, a shelter. And um, – we were trying trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out ways of doing it. And then one day, it was like she just kind of kept. I kept hearing her say, "You know, let's do a book. Let's do a book." And what were the messages that she was giving? Mom, we've got to write my book. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, was this early on when she or did she? Well, she probably after I'd had her maybe for a couple of years. Okay, so you had a relationship with. We her. had a relationship okay. established, okay. and then it was kind of like periodically, and I would keep saying, "Yeah, Josie, I know we need to do it, but I'm busy." And then finally, um, let me see, it would be a year ago, Christmas. Uh, she was insistent, you know, little kids get little tantrums mm-hmm. and, you know, mom, you're going to, yeah. you know, this is, well, if she could have done that, that's what she would have done. And she just absolutely insisted that we were going to um, uh, do her book. So I said, okay, you lie down next to me with the com- at the computer and tell me what you want to say. So this book is written in, in her voice. It's written in her voice. So it's uh, when you're reading it, it's it's Josie talking. It is Josie <laughs> and talking. That decision was based on the fact that you felt you we, we felt that right. We felt that there was a connection, and I what I kind of supported me on that idea was that uh, kind of early on with her, there were some issues that were happening, and I couldn't quite understand why. And one of my vets said, "Well, why don't you um, get?" Uh, in contact with an animal communicator, and she knew a good one. It was out of state. So we actually did it over the phone. And it was so interesting because when when she was talking with Josie, you could tell that she was, Josie was listening and that there was some kind of communication going on with them. And then the communicator would come back and she would laugh and she said, oh, Josie is so funny. Where did she come up with these things? And she is so chatty. And we comment that. Uh, mm-hmm. Josie comments that in the book. that She's, who, me, chatty? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, so as I was kind of picking up on cues from her, it was like, well, gee, these are kind of the same kinds of ideas that I was getting from the animal communicator. So I said, I really feel like I really am hearing her voice. So it's like when I'm really tapped in, it's like like t- tuning into a radio station. Okay, there are lots of radio stations out there, but you can select that particular one. And when we're in tune, it's like, yeah, I, I, we get each other. I think that's uh, – yeah. would you agree that that – a lot of It's intuitive. It's very, very intuitive. Yeah, a lot of people miss that with their pets sometimes. Yeah. I'm not saying – it has nothing to do with how good a pet owner, but, but sometimes you just really have to look. Yeah. Because yeah. the dog is looking at you. They are. So you need to look at them. Right. Too. But they're looking and listening. They're picking up with all of their cues – they're picking up all the signals. Right. They're reading with their whole body. Right. And I mean that's how they that's how they survive in the wild. You know, I mean they if they were in a in a dog pack, they have to be able to pick up on all the communication signals that are going on between the animals and also um, how they're supposed to respond to that other animal. Very subtle, too. Just ear flicks, tail flicks. Extremely subtle. So that you picked yeah. up on that. So the first thing is is uh, she came from a rescue. She came so, from a rescue. So we talked a little bit about rescue. Yeah. Um, as a lot of my listeners know, there are rescue leagues all over the place. Oh, yes. Um, I had a rescue dog, a border collie. Uh-huh. His name was Ben. And um, he was abused in – passive abuse. He was kept in a cage for the first year of his life. So he had no socialization or anything. Right. And what what this rescue league did was take this um, – take the animals out of the situation and put them in foster homes. Yes. And then from the foster homes, they – Right. And this foster couple was a client of mine and they brought, brought Ben and that's, that's another story. Right. So uh, – <laughs> Every dog has their own wonderful they story. Do. I mean, they every do. dog has its own book. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> or you're going to flood the, the book market. So with, uh, with Josie, then, uh, this was a, was was she in a foster home? Had she been taken out of the situation, put in a foster home? She was actually. And where? And how how'd that, how'd that work? Yeah, she was actually a um, owner surrender. So to the rescue leave. To the rescue leave. Okay. From what I understand, the owner actually brought uh, her to them because uh, I think, from what I understand, uh, that uh, one of the family members had recommended to them that they do that because they really weren't giving her, I think, the direction that she needed. 
And um, so anyway, they gave her over to the to the rescue group, and the rescue group put her into foster care. And this was in South Carolina. This is in South Carolina. Okay. Yes. What city? What part of South? It's sort of near Columbia, I think. Okay. Yeah. Right. And she. Um, I, I don't know exactly whether she had two foster homes or just the one, but I do know that when she was in the foster family that I got to communicate with, that because the uh, canine director for that uh, rescue group was also fostering Josie. So um, that's kind of how... So in, in the process of getting her... I mean, I had all kinds of, I had to fill out an application form. I had, well, first of all, I can't be back up. I was looking for her. I knew that I was looking for her specifically. Again, she came to me in a dream. And after the fourth night, it was like, okay, I've, I've got to. I've got to look for her. Well, so, just to back up again, is the Rescue League, a lot of Rescue Leagues are species, are breed specific. She was not breed, right, because she, what, what I did is I went. breed specific? Res- no, okay. no. Okay, that was just a rescuing anybody. Just rescue anybody okay. because they, they rescue other animals as well. Okay. Okay, and it turned out that um, the canine director was the one that, that was fostering her. So I had gone through um, Adopt-A-Pet in which I had designated what specifically I was looking for. This is online? Thing? This is online. And then what, what happens is they, they uh, when the animal is um, ready for adoption and they're posted, then you get an email. So I was getting emails every day of these okay. potential dogs. So, so uh, then I had the... to contact the rescue group. And just okay. because these dogs are shown on online that they're available doesn't mean that they are at that point, even if it's a first-day posting. So you have to call and find out whether or not the animal is still available. And in some cases, you had to go directly to them, to that group, whether it was a humane society or some shelter, and... Um, to be able to see the animal, um, and a lot of times they were out of state, so it didn't mean that they were in state. So the adopt a pet is a like a clearinghouse. It was like a clearinghouse. It doesn't house. have to be just rescue people uh, leagues. It no. can be shelters. Anybody. Okay, I'm just trying to get for the listeners to know if they're interested, right? In, uh, in right. doing something similar. Right. You did. So, so you're so you. Uh, requested a specific kind of dog at the adopt a pet and when that came when that matched they would send you the information and you right. had to follow that lead i had to follow okay. the lead yes right. that's kind of why i backed up that okay. far um because then once i uh, i called the shelter i called the rescue group uh, I, to find out if she was still available and she was then i had to fill out uh, they sent me an online application i had to fill out the application and send it back to them I think I had to do that um, online again. Then I got a phone call, uh, and I got an email back stating that I was going to get a phone call that evening, and I did. So we did an online, I'm, not, I'm sorry, we did an uh, interview over the phone. Then they also had to arrange, they had to find somebody up here who would give me a um, home check. So they had to come and visit my home, and then they had to give a report back. And then once we finally got, oh, then I also had to list uh, two or three different references. And they actually called, I know they called one uh, of the references. I said this was like adopting a child. (laughs) It was quite a process, very different than walking into the Humane Society, okay, of which I've also adopted from the Humane Society. You just, a couple of times, you just go in, fill out your paperwork, pay your money, and you walk out the door with your dog. Which is, a lot of people do that, it's fantastic. Right, and it's wonderful, but it's a whole, I I was used to that. Right. So to have to go through this whole other process was. Well, they're coming from a different. Now, also, because she's coming from that particular rescue group, and I have talked with other people since who have said the same thing, that if I were to give her up for any reason, that she is owned by the rescue group. Forever? S- forever. So if I, then she is supposed to go back to them, hmm. and they would rehome her or whatever they're going to oh, do. That sounds like a... Yeah. So she's microchipped. They microchipped her, and they hold the ownership. The numbers under mm-hmm. them. Okay. Right. So you got all the paperwork done. 
Yeah. And uh, she had to be driven up from South Carolina up here to Maine. Yes. They would not. You didn't do that. No. I, I could have gone and gotten her, but due to my work schedule, I didn't feel like I could do that. So they found another organization that would uh, transport dogs uh, up. And in, once they put her in the van, they put her in the van at uh, about 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon and at 3 o'clock the next day, I picked her up in South Portland. At a parking lot? A parking lot. And that's the first time you saw her? First time I saw her. So what was that experience like? <laughs> that this... was, I remember my response when I saw her was, oh, she's small. <laughs> <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> I was expecting a little larger. <laughs> well, my my last couple of dogs had been over 100 pounds. Oh, well, then anything small. <laughs> <laughs> anything compared to that. That's right. And she was like, she was a little less than 60 pounds, but oh, she just looked so... Oh, Your mommy thought you were small. <laughs> I thought she was small. I was like, oh, that's she's so, small. <laughs> so that's your first... Okay. Then you, you got... Com- Got yourself composed. Yeah. <laughs> then what happened? Uh, uh, well, the fun part was that when they, again, the whole exchange was less than five minutes. Basically, here's your dog. It, sign the all paperwork. The pa- all the paperwork. Yeah, set. sign it yeah. Uh, that you picked her up. Um, she's only had a couple of dog biscuits because they don't feed them in route because they might get car sick and uh, throw up, obviously. And um, they said, and she hasn't pooped yet. And she pulls hard on a leash. I had a retractable leash. Bad mistake. Because she, I mean, I had it full extension because I, it, the clicker thing wouldn't work. And I, I, I don't like those. And I thought it would be because wonderful because she was going to be able to run around, going to be able to control. No, this dog you don't control. The thing about those, those <laughs> leashes is that I've seen at the clinic is that some of them, when you press the button, it releases, and some you press the button and it locks. Yes, that's right. That's so they're opposite. Does. Yeah. So the oh, people yes. walk in the clinic, all of a sudden they click the wrong, and all of a sudden the dog is in the exam room and they're still at the reception desk. <laughs> anyway, so, yes. um, so you got her. I got her. Uh, and she you, pooped right away for me. <laughs> well, Josie, you, you, that's what you do. <laughs> So, so far, so good. So far, so no good. Strikes we're against on, her. That's right. We're, we're on the roll. So uh, I just want to remind the listeners, this is um, WERU. This is uh, Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks and Zebras. Dr. John Hunt, your host. We're talking to Vernita Lyons about her book, uh, Josie's Story. If you would like to make comments uh, or questions, you can call 469 469- Zero five zero zero four six nine zero five zero zero. We're kind of walking through uh, Josie's uh, experience, and we're right now we're finishing up the um, the part of, of getting her from a foster, getting her from foster, foster home, right, and yes. all those yes. things. So now you you got her home. Yeah, I got her home. <laughs> she pooped first. And she, she pooped first. Then right. you got her home. So nothing. <laughs> and she dragged me through the parking okay. lot. You didn't get rotator cuff or anything. Probably. I did not, okay. fortunately. Good. Yeah, so as soon as we got her home, um, we started with, with training her immediately. And the, one of the first things, we did not let her go in and out of the door of the house. Even the car, she couldn't go she couldn't get out of the car or she couldn't get into the car without permission. The very first – when you got home from the parking lot, mm-hmm. when you opened the door, you, mm-hmm. you what did you do? How did you command her? You just kind of held her back. Okay. Okay. And you just told her to, 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 to just stay or wait. You know? And so basically I'm just kind of not letting her get and pairing out. pairing the force of staying just, with the word just, wait. Yeah, just just so she gets a connection between right. Wait and what so she's it's kind of like I had my maybe I had my hands like on her shoulders. Yeah. So just so she couldn't come forward. Right. And because she's all excited, and um, then I because I had her leash on her, and then we uh, brought her to the house to the door. My husband greeted her, and um, again he's he is very good also about just making her wait. And then letting her come in. And I add that in this book, your husband's name is Uncle Bob. Hey, uh, yes, and you he's explain, Uncle Bob. And, and Josie explained why. You yeah. can explain to the <laughs> listeners why he's Uncle Bob. <laughs> I have uh, – I don't look at my animals as being my children. I have no children, and I know a lot of times people say, oh, they're my child, they're my kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. For me, an animal is an animal, and um, – 
I still relate to them and love them, and I may call them my kid, but they're not. They're still an animal. So in terms of what I expect of them, I'm expecting of them uh, what I want that animal, how I want that animal to behave. Within the realm of what they can do. Within the realm of what they can do. Okay. So you don't want – because some people think the dog can behave like a child should behave. Right. Exactly. Which is not reasonable. No. No. That's the big difference. That's a huge difference. Okay. Yes. Dogs are not children. Right. Dogs are dogs. (laughs) They – as we were talking earlier about with writing the book, okay, they have their own communication. And their only ways of communicating. We all do, you know, but we read our body languages. Humans read body language with each other differently than the way they read the body language sometimes with their dog or the way how dogs are going to communicate. So dogs, I think, use more their sensory um, organs, the ears, the eyes, the nose, um, the tail, you know, body posture, all of that. We, we don't know how to read that. Uh, most people, most of us don't. We, we have the, to we learn the how to do that. One. You know, we the, know the growl, the, the growl, wagging tail. Yeah. But even the wagging tail can be a dominant wag or a fearful right. wag. Right. So that yeah, that is something a lot of people right. – sometimes people are intuitive. They kind of know yes. because of the context. Right. But the little signs. The, the little signals. Signs, right. That's, so um, so the first thing is with getting out of the car, you already started training. Already starting training her. Right. And Uncle Bob is – Uncle Bob is right on cue with us. And also when she came into the house, we did not allow her to go into every room. She was really, really good about that. I was very fortunate. We told her no. We let her come to the door, to the doorway of a room, and we say no. And she she wouldn't. So she had learned something before she got to me. I think part of it is special too. I hope so. That's really something. Yes. So, and she never did. She would stand in the doorway, and I and I never let her go into um, some of these rooms that were off, um, you know, off base in the beginning. You didn't until put any physical barriers was, up. No physical barriers. They were not required, which surprised me. I didn't have to close the door. It surprised me, but she was good. So great. It, it's you know, and this isn't. You're not a, an expert. Dog trainer. Just, I am not an expert you're dog just trainer. A good pet owner, and, <laughs> yeah. and I had a, a golden that did that. I trained her to stay in the living room when yep. we were eating dinner. Right, and there was a rug in the living room yes. and a, a wood floor. Right, and she would go right to the edge. Yes, <laughs> and then she'd put her paw Paws over. just over, and, and she'd look at me. She's a Sally, and she'd put it back. So it's right. it, you just have to be, and this is something you mentioned in the book about training being persistent, consistent. But trusting. I mean, these are consistent, things. right? And the the thing is, we're, we're I'm very fortunate that both my husband and I are consistent. So we with each other with with, I mean, each, with Josie with Josie, yes. and even with commands. It was like when we were trying to because we don't have boundary. We don't have. Um, uh, I'm not a fenced in yard. I'm two acres basically in the woods on a pond, and um, so we do not have any boundary lines other than you know, whatever the the line is of the property. And we taught her not to exceed uh, that boundary line. Even if she's in the water, we kept training her as to where the stopping lines were so that um, she learned them over, it took her a year, and it meant that she we didn't let her outside unless we were with her so that we could constantly keep an eye on her and stop her. And we had to come up with what is the word we're going to use for boundary. And so my husband and I agreed on that one word. We used the word home, <laughs> as it was. And uh, so we both used the same command with with her for that. Uh, so, so we'll use this example of, of going up to the water. <clears throat> was your training such that while she was learning this, which took a year, you always made it successful. You didn't wait for her to fail. In other words, you you didn't wait for her to go in the water. When she got up to the water, you would then say, good dog, home. Or was there times where she jumped in because she saw a frog or something and you had to haul her out and... Good question. I'm trying to remember how we did that. Are you shaping behavior just on positive reinforcement only or... Are you getting some negative reinforcement because you just can't watch her every second? 
I think what happened was, in terms of, um, we're, we're, we are on a private road. We're right near the, the road where our house is. But we, um, so we're not on a major highway, and we had to really teach her that boundary too, which was a challenge. We did sometimes let her in the yard, the same way with the water. We sometimes let her in the yard without being leashed or on a long long lead. I think in the beginning it was long lead. Um, when we came up to the water, I'm trying to remember, basically she, I let her go in the water. I just let her go in. And um, it was when she got as far as on the waterfront as we wanted her to go on our up to our property line then we would just tell her home and if i had to i would just go and turn her back and once okay. she crossed that line i would say home so the the minute she crossed the line we said home so if she went beyond that line no we it was not bad dog or you know screaming or no. at her and or running after no. her or no whatever we would just go get get her calmly bring her back as soon as we crossed the line then we repeated the word home so i think that's how we handled the boundaries okay, so the shaping is based on all positive that's, all positive yeah okay yeah Very all good. positive yeah. so she was uh one thing in the book uh uncle bob yeah, Uncle Bob uh, had a little, didn't um, want to be called Dad. <laughs> he didn't I, like, I, I call her. I'm called Mom, but uh, yeah, your husband didn't like Dad. He didn't that, like that's Dad. That's what I saw in the book. So right, he seemed Uncle like Bob. idea. That I'm not. I'm not Dad. So Uncle Bob. Uh, Sorry, it took me a long time to get to that answer. <laughs> I get sidetracked very easily. Oh, that's great. I've, um, I've helped. See, I've, I've lived with Uncle Bob for too many years yeah. because this is what he does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's called meandering. <laughs> <laughs> What's the uh, – there's a game that Uncle Bob had called Pushing Hands. And pushing Hands. And that wasn't – maybe I didn't read it carefully, but I don't know exactly what is Pushing Hands. <laughs> pushing Hands is actually a, uh, a Qigong form. And a Qigong is, a, know, qigong is, is. A, is uh, like a Chinese uh, martial arts. Okay. Okay. In Qigong, we are – oh, my gosh. It's a whole other story. Um Simply put, it's dealing with uh, paying attention to your own energy, um, both internally and externally. So, for example, um, it's our vitality. So we're trying to nurture our own vitality. Normally, we think of ourselves externally and doing push-ups and all sit-ups and all that kind of thing. And but we have this whole other energy system. We have the lymphatic system. We have the you know the, the cardiac and all that. But we also have an, an energy system. And chi. And chi, right? And for example, acupuncture is based on helping to support the, the vitality of the chi of the um, energy system. So in Qigong, we're, we're doing, we, we, we can do meditation um, forms, we can do movement forms, for example, that are supporting our qi. But it's also, we're interacting with the qi of the environment. So when, in the qi of each other, so that uh, when, with pushing hands, you push, you, you bring your hand, say your hand forward, your arm forward to, to somebody else, and then they feel that, and then you are trying to um, move differently to avoid being pushed, for example. So how is that related to Josie? She and and Uncle Bob just played that game. So he's just, he would he would he kind of push. His, she would kind of push back, and they how would, would just she kind push of back, back? Um, with her paws. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So she was kind of um, uh, leaning. He was sitting. Okay, he was sitting, and, and then she would kind of be on her hind legs, and her front paws would be up on his, on his hands, and they would, or her, or his arm, and he would kind of push forward, and then she was pushing back, and we have a, uh, a picture of it. It was great. I mean, they did that in the beginning. It's interesting. They haven't done that for a long time now, oh, okay. but in the beginning, they did that a lot. <laughs> we did pushing hands. It was a fun game to watch. So the kinds of uh things you needed at this point Josie was just a pet Josie was just a pet okay she mm-hmm. has her other 
as as time went on, she she took different roles in your life. Exactly. So before that, before that role, um, you had to. There were things like um, learning lessons in the city, learning lessons yes. of the country. One thing about the country, I loved your uh, your reference to black and white kittens, <laughs> yeah. which she saw a black and white kitten. Was it last night? Uh, two nights ago. Two nights ago. <laughs> yes. So when I said black, black and white kitten, kitties, I'm going, okay, I think I know what she means. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> so we, we are right now, you and I are smelling the results of the we black and white We are smelling the kitties. results of yes. black and white kitties. And she doesn't seem to mind. She doesn't, she doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> so we're going to um, take a, a short break and meet you on the other side. This is Dr. John Hunt for Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks and Zebras. And we'll talk about uh, Josie's uh, story in a second. host, Dr. John Hunt, for Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks and Zebras. We have Vernita Lyons here. She's the author of Josie's Story, and Josie's here, too. Yes. Um, uh, She's keeping kind of quiet about the story. Um, (laughs) I think she let uh, her mom type it all out. (laughs) So uh, she's saying, okay, you guys just talk about it. I already said it. Right. I said it. Now you talk about it. Yeah, you talk about it. So we, we talked about the the rescue, how she came to your house, how you started training her. Um, and at this point, you were – basically, she was a, a pet. And you were doing things like um, teaching her the ways of country life and city life. Give me a couple examples of that. Oh, okay. They'll move on to her. Sure. Uh, a Therapy. different function in her life, right. which is a big part of this book. Because uh, when she first arrived, I was taking her out one evening um, for her evening walk and realized that she was afraid. It was a moonlight night, and she was afraid of the shadows. So I began to uh, work with her on that, and the way we did that was just by sitting outside and looking at things, letting her just smell the air, listening to all those different night sounds, and identifying for her, uh, at least I was identifying for her, uh, the, the, the barking of the foxes, the hooting of the owls, the, the sound of the loons on the lake uh, calling back and forth to each other, etc. As we have a lot of you know, animal sounds. So she had not had any of this experience. So I had to introduce her to it. And we, so we kept repeating that several, several nights and for several weeks. And finally, you know, she goes outside now and, you know, she enjoys just sitting there and or standing and smelling, but she's not afraid anymore. So in the beginning, though, when she was out and you were training her to become uh, habituated with right. the, with the sounds, she must have showed some fear. Ears go down, tense. What no, did she, she show? Was, any body no. language? So she really wasn't no. scared. She wasn't scared. She was just interested. So, she, the, but how about the shadows? Was she? But the shadows at night. Did she so show during, fearful behavior with the shadows? Was she he, tail down? Uh, Want to go back in? Tense. She was up? hesitant. Okay. She was hesitant, and you could tell that that. There was a look in her face that was like, what is this? You know, she didn't know how to interpret it. And maybe a little bit of fear and anxiety on her face. Um, 
And so we wanted to um, – I wanted to help her get through that. No, it was just so it's just repetition, repetition as far as I can tell. The same way with going into the city. I, mean, uh, I also could tell we have um, – we're kind of in line with the Bangor Airport. So sometimes we get planes going overhead. Oh, yeah. And they're coming in for landing, so they're fairly, they're fairly close. And we also have um, pontoon planes that land and take off on the pond. So she was kind of concerned about those she would look at them and you could tell she couldn't figure out what they were but there was her body posture her body language was like what do i do so you what, know, do i need to be her? scared so i would just stand with her or sit with her and we'd talk about the plane as it was going over or the helicopter and then i even took her I don't know the name of the road, but it uh, goes right past the uh, airport in Bangor. And um, as the planes are coming in for landing, they come right over the road. Right. I know where that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I would – you can pull over there. Is that Ogden? Maybe the Ogden Road, yeah. Yeah, Something like that. Something like that. And I just parked there, and we just watched the planes come flying over. Repeated. Yeah. Okay. And she – Got really interested. Oh, I can see people. <laughs> Talk to me about the uh, another cute thing I, I read in the book is the cookie withdrawal. The withdrawing cookies. Oh, the withdrawing cookies. Yeah. Yes. What's that? Yes. Oh, she has all the tellers at our bank. Um, you know, totally, totally wrapped around her <laughs> finger, her thumb, her her paw, <laughs> and um, so when as soon as we go in, and I have to give her permission because as soon as we come in the door. She wants to hightail it directly for the first teller. And no, she has to sit beside me calmly. She has to wait. Uh, even if there's nobody, no other customers, she has to wait until she's calm. She's very intent. She's watching. She's on point. But she's, she's on point, sitting. but she's behaving. And she's she's relatively calm. She's not bouncing out of her skin. But as soon as I give her the command, okay, boom, now she's out of her skin. And anyway, she'll she'll go and jump up on the her, her front paws on, on the counter and um, ask for her cookie. And if there's, then she'll hop down to the next teller. And if there's a customer in the, in the way, she'll push them out of the way. <laughs> and she hops back and forth with her paws. Oh, she'll on, keep her paws She on keeps the her counter? paws on the counter. And she hops from one teller to the she other. She should be in the, uh, <laughs> the circus. <laughs> <laughs> she should. Or America's Got Talent. Right. And then I have to tell her when it's over. Oh. Okay. We tell her. Okay. So there's an end. So you give her a beginning an and an end. I give her a beginning and an end. And if she gets too carried away, because sometimes she does get too, too carried away, then I just stop her, bring her back beside me, and she has to sit, uh, and she has to wait. And then I give her permission again for another cookie, and then she can hop around. <laughs> Tell me about her uh, barking in the car. How you stopped that? She got that. Yes, that, that was, was problem, one one of those very early. Uh, um, uh, training tools that we had to do was when she was the minute I would step out of the car to go inside a building um, the, it didn't matter whether the window was up or, or you know partly up or, or rolled all the way down uh, she would start barking at me well that's not unusual you hear a lot of dogs barking in cars I don't like that at all I think it's very disrespectful that's a personal opinion. Um, so I would just go back to her. I would turn around. I would go back, just gently put my hands around her her muzzle and uh, tell her no bark. And then I would um, go back, go toward the building again. As soon as she started to bark, repeat the whole process. And I would sometimes have to do that eight or ten times before I could go into the building. And then as soon as I came back and I came in and she wasn't barking, I'd tell her what a great dog she was and how good she was. So we did. she learned that one pretty quickly. I probably had to repeat that whole process, I don't know, less than a dozen times. Again, repetition. But just I repetition, repetition. We did get a question. Um, does Josie know... It was written. Oh, okay. The, the person didn't want to talk. Does Josie know that she's being talked about right yes. now? Yes. Oh, yes. And how do you know that? 
She's playing it pretty cool. She is playing it pretty cool. She did change position. But she did put change. But she knows. And she knew we were coming here today. I told her last night and this morning and on the way down. It's interesting. When I tell her we're going to be talking about her book or we're going to sell your book today, it's like she gets it. Um, she, there's a certain look she gives me. And it's like, yeah, my book. You know, it's kind of, yes, my book. She's kind of. Yeah, she kind of perks up and tilts her head and, you know, looks at me, my book. You know, and then, so she knows. So we may be somewhere selling her book uh, or, you know, doing book signings. And uh, she'll just lay there the whole time and she'll wait until I give her permission to say hi to somebody. Right. And then she goes back and lies down. And then I tell her, you know, about how, how it went when we're finished. So, yeah, she knows. Good. Yeah. This is, I think it's the energy. It, I think that's what it is. And, and, and yeah, you're, but you're, she feels it. And you're very good at reading her. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it because I think other dogs do it and they just and people miss it. That was something, though, that she had to learn. She had to learn that we knew how to read her, Right. both my husband and I. And she didn't know that. She was, like, clueless. I've never had a dog so clueless. And um, she had to learn that, hey, we get you. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. At, at repetition. Yeah. Uh, this is WERU 89.9 in East Orland. Uh, Let's Talk Animals, Art of Arcs to Zebras. Dr. John Hunt, your host. We're with uh, Vernita Lyons talking about Josie's story. And um, we're going to start, after we get a question from Catherine, we're going to start talking about her change in her um, function which is a real important part. I don't want to miss that because we only have 20 minutes. But <laughs> first of all, Catherine, good morning. Hi, hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, Montana's failing, but... Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And she's got a husky spirit, so it's going to be difficult. Yeah. But anyway, um, but she's 20 plus, so... God bless her. <laughs> God bless you. Um, I missed the beginning of this. Could you please give me? I'm I'm just loving this this show, but I miss the. I don't have the visual in my mind of what kind of dog Chelsea is. Oh, we didn't. We didn't say that, did we? Well, well, you know, we know. we know. We're sitting here <laughs> looking on, at her. I, yeah, I Catherine, how come you don't know? <laughs> I was on the phone, and I, and I just have to make a comment. When I was uh, Montana was from from the Paw Shelter, and I was fostering her because nobody wanted her, and she kept on being sent back. She's a husky, little husky. And so I brought her into the home. I had two other dogs and I don't know how many cats. And she trotted in, trot, 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 and jumped up on the table. Okay? <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found out later that canines, such as foxes, wolves, coyotes, very often when they come to a new area, they get up on a rock or yeah. something to spread there. So she never did it again. I didn't tell her to wait. She just went. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, if you could describe Chelsea for me, that would be lovely. Thank you, Catherine. That was our that was our uh, oversight. <laughs> Completely. Anita, go ahead. <laughs> Josie is a yellow lab, and a, a lot of people have asked me if she is, you know, a full blooded yellow lab or not. Uh, some people look at her and say, "Well, she doesn't look like she's a full blooded." I say, "I have no idea. Uh, she's just." She's just Josie, and she, looks like one, she has yeah. a yellow coat, and she yeah. looks like a yellow lab, yeah. and she does like the water, and she, um, she likes to sniff around and play, So, and she loves to retrieve. So, Then that's it. That's it. Lab that, right. Josie, whether you know it or not, that's what it is. And uh, right now, she's about 70 pounds. 70 pounds. Okay, that's yeah. right. She's a little bit overweight for what I like. I like to have her about three pounds less. But she put on some weight this winter because we really could not get the exercise that she needed. And even though I was cutting back on her food, um, she still managed to uh, put on a couple of pounds. <laughs> I think she and Uncle Bob, Uncle Bob. can work on this. <laughs> so let's talk about Josie's change in her uh, function in, in her life with you. I think one of the things where we kind of started with that was I was trying, I wanted to find for her and to support her in what she really liked doing, what she was really interested in. So we tried, after we did obedience training, I tried agility with her, which she was kind of oh-hum about. 
But I had a client that was in an assisted living home and a very small um, um, family-type home environment. And uh, I was very concerned about taking her in there with me because she didn't have a lot of training in the beginning. Um, And she was – we opened the door, and it was like a light switch. She she clicked. She just changed her demeanor. She was calm. She was gentle. She went to everybody. She wanted to say hello. She laid down or she sat down, let people pat her. She was just a charmer. So on the agility, she just was like... On the agility, it was, nah, you know, what's this good smell over here? Do I here? have to? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there really was a difference. There really was a okay. difference. And okay. so I said, okay, now I want to support her in being a therapy dog. And... It, now let's talk about what a therapy dog is. A therapy dog, basically. There are a lot of different kinds of therapy dogs. Lots of different therapy dogs. That's just the general. The general idea is that um, I say that that they're to make other people happy. Okay? So they kind of lift their spirits or to help maybe even calm people down, help relieve some stress. So, for example, um, therapy dogs are often taken into, like, um, college libraries. So students can come in uh, during exam time and, uh, you know, visit with a dog, and that kind of takes away some of their anxiety and their stresses for, you know, finals and midterms and all that. Um, sometimes they visit hospitals, for example, and uh, visit the patients. And again, it helps to lift people's spirits. Some are reading dogs. I have a friend who whose dogs are therapy dogs in that they go to reading programs and children read to the dog, and that helps them um, be more confident in their reading. So they're reading to a dog that's very receptive, and they're not being judged, and they're being loved. <laughs> um and supported uh, while they're, you know, developing their reading skills. The therapy dogs a lot of times are, are just pets. That, they're pets, and yes. they don't have to have any special training, uh, specific. They don't have to. Some, they don't have to. Some do, but uh, not like a service dog, which we'll talk about in a well, minute. Okay. Um, I think a lot of places when they're looking for, um, for therapy – uh, dogs. I know when I went into a couple of places, they wanted uh, her credential, and they also wanted her um, uh, health history from. That's not uncommon. To have yeah. a veterinary. I I fill out forms. Forms, health, right. health forms and right. behavior and things like right. that. And right. that's that's a requirement based right. on where they're going. Right. But a therapy dog doesn't have to that, have that. And then with a therapy dog, um, I wanted her certified. Um, and then I, so that I knew that she was going to know the manners and, and how, what was going to be expected of her and what was expected of me as her handler. So it was training for me as well as for the dog. So I felt like that was very important. Okay. So you went into assisted living. She found her niche. Yes. And so how did that, uh, so you continued to do that, but did that part, did now her part as a therapy dog was at, uh, how can I say this, did, it, did she start to become a therapy dog for you? A therapy dog, not a service dog. Well, or is it she a therapy serves, dog for other people? Okay, I'm, I'm, I also do, um, I'm a massage therapist. Okay. So uh, she goes to work with me every day. And I also realized that she was very good with my clients. So if a client came in and they were stressed out, you know, they were upset or whatever, she would just just go and lay next to them. And she would just want to spend her time with them um, until they either they were calm or they were finally on the table. Even if they were on the table, she would lay there until they got calm and then she would go back, go and lie down in her bed. So she functions in my uh, practice as a therapy dog. So she's there f- at that point in time for that other person uh, and for the other people in, in, in her life that, that need that kind of assistance. Um, not For me, now she's a service dog. Oh, so so okay. how did that And what that happened was, was during the therapy dog certification, certification training that we were going through, um, I started to develop an issue for myself with balance and mobility. And I was struggling to walk. Actually, ended up with a hip replacement. Uh, but I was in a lot of pain and struggling. And the uh, trainer said, you need a service dog 
So let's change her training because she's got the temperament. And that's the other thing to really pay attention to is that if you're going to train because you do have some sort of a disability and you want to train your own dog uh, to be a service dog, you have to make sure that dog has the right temperament because not all dogs are good service dogs. Exactly. And even for therapy dogs, the therapy dog has to have a calm temperament and they have to be social and they have to be good around people. Um, They have to be able to let anybody pat them. Uh, I remember sitting in the bank uh, one time and, and I was, con- you know, conducting my business and a woman came in with her little little boy who was probably around two. And the next thing I know, he's just thrown himself on top of her. It was happened so fast. It was like I couldn't have even reacted until afterwards. And Josie just sat there, you know, and it was she was fine with it. So your animal needs to be able to pass those kinds of tests in order for um, your dog to be a service dog. A service dog, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, does not have to be certified. And this creates a lot of problems uh, out in the public because a service dog has certain federal laws uh, um, American uh, Disability Act laws that um, protect the dog and the handler because that dog is trained for a specific purpose for the handler. And it could be, for me, it was balance, initially it was for balance and mobility. Uh, for other people, it may be, obviously, we're, you were used to somebody who has, you know, sight impairment. You know, we think of, when we think of service dogs, we think of somebody for sight impairment or hearing impairment, excuse me, hearing impairment. Um, but it can also be for somebody who has PTSD um, and, or somebody who has seizures. Uh, so they become sort of more of a medical um, service dog or to alert somebody it's time for them to take their medications. So because dogs like consistency, they're very good at being able to pick up on actually time as to, hey, you know, it's time to feed me, right? So, Mom, don't forget to feed me. Um, and Josie has reminded me a couple of times that uh, I've been really busy and I forgot that I hadn't fed her. It's like she reminds me that she hasn't had her dinner. Um, that's only happened once or twice, but it was funny when I caught it. But, I mean, th- that's when I realized that that's how come they can be good at, um, like, um, either a medical alert dog or, or letting somebody know that it's time for the medication. And your, and your circumstance in the book uh, – she not only helped you with your balance, right? But then you got into another medical problem that caused fainting, so she became a double service. She, yes, exactly. Because you got your hip fixed. I got my hip fixed, and then all of a sudden you're <laughs> fainting. From what you said in the book, at least what Josie was telling me. That's right. Uh, is, is she telling the truth? And she's is telling she the truth. Oh, okay. oh, she was accurate. Okay. Um, so what? Happened so then? what happens is my blood pressure can drop, and then therefore, so do I. Um, and this can happen anywhere. Um, grocery store people can attest to that many times. The um, what happened was for her training for that was on the job, and um, I passed out at home. And I could I was aware of her licking my face, trying to get me to be responsive, and I wasn't. And my husband was at the far end of the house, and he didn't know that I was laying on the floor you know, unresponsive. And she, I heard her go down to his room where he, where he was studying. And eventually he said that she kept looking at him and looking at him and looking at him. And he finally said, well, he, he finally figured out she wanted him to come with her into the other room. He thought he didn't know why she just wanted to be petted or something. And uh, when he came into the other room is when he saw me. So that was her training. And boy, I mean, she will let me know when, when it's coming on. Okay, so she she alerts you she alerts prior me. to she senses. She senses it. And she, and, and she, she knows. tells you to sit down, right. basically. Right. Okay. And so usually I know the, the, I've learned the symptoms and I know the signs. But if I am not paying attention or I decide, ah, I'm going to do a little bit more. She pays attention. She pays attention and her, her eyes are glued on me. 
And when I go down, she's right there. And sometimes I, I, I almost lay on top of her. And I can just feel her energy just pouring into me. Um, trying to, it's like she's trying to help me stabilize myself again so I can function. And I also feel my own energy. It's, it's like trying to stabilize itself so that I can get back up. And once it's over, it's over and I'm up and I'm functioning well again. And then she's fine. She's back to just kind of, oh, hum, here we go. Um, but boy, when I need her, she's, and all I have to do is just tell her, Either way, because I still have difficulty sometimes with some mobility, all I have to do is tell her, Josie, I need your help today, or I need your help right now. And she's like, boom, she switched gears. We only have a couple minutes. Oh, uh, no. So if want, someone wants to sneak in a question, they better call now, <laughs> 469-0500. John is waiting for that call, uh, just in case. But one thing that, you, that I really liked uh, – how you put the service dog um, category is um, they're, they're working dogs. They are a working dog. So you kind of flesh that out in the last couple minutes here. Oh, no, I spoke a minutes, yes, <laughs> quickly. Um, they are working dogs. And I, I say it's like if you saw a policeman with their, uh, with their police dog, with their canine, they are working, and you don't go up to that animal uh, without getting first permission from the handler. And the handler may or may not grant you permission because you cannot distract the dog. The thing is, when you see a service dog with a handler, you do not know what that handler's condition is. There are days when I'm struggling uh, to function, and if somebody just comes up to Josie to distract her or talk to her. Oh, I love you. You know, you're so pretty. And, and um, you know, it, they. I just want to say hi. You know, they are distracting her and taking her, uh, her attention away from me. And I, there, are, there are days I really need her full attention. So you never know what that dog is, what that dog's so function you is. That. You've got to respect that. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. We have Stan from oh, Oregon. Stan from Orono, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Fine. The show is great, thank you. I have two rescue dogs. One of them is a big black lab. He's just turning two, and he will love you to death, (laughs) no matter who you are. And he exhibits some of the traits that you were saying your dog does, Um, and he doesn't seem particularly, uh, uh, he's smart, but he kind of needs more guidance, and so my my real question is, if I think my dog has potential, how do I go about uh, testing him and getting into this? Um, you're going you, to get tested. There are several different um, people, I believe, in the area who do that uh, certification and can help you with the process of getting your dog um, either certified for therapy work um, uh, quickly off the top of my head, I, can't, I only know the trainer that, uh, that I worked with, um, but I've since learned that there are others. I guess you may have to either go online to look for someone to uh, help you or ask in the local uh, pet stores uh, or your local vet yeah. that, who may also know um, a direction to give you so that you can give the proper guidance and training that you need as a handler and also that your dog needs. Thank, thank you, Stan. That answered your question, I hope. Okay. So, we're, geez, we're at the end of our show. Yes. <laughs> uh, Vernita Lyons, thank you for bringing your, your Josie in and, and Josie's story, the book. Uh, I don't know where it's distributed. It is available through your local bookstores. Okay. Okay. And it's all also, uh, it's online. You can go to uh, josiestory.com. Okay. And it's just J O S I E story. Okay. Well, thank you. This is Dr. John Hunt for Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks, and Zebras. And remember, enjoy your pet and don't forget to give him a hug. few seconds to go before we uh, need to switch over to On the Wing, which is coming to you live in 
at 11 o'clock. Let's take a quick look at the weather. Today, mostly sunny with a high near 61. Light south winds becoming southwest 5 to 10 miles an hour in the afternoon. Mostly cloudy tonight with a low around 47. Southwest winds 8 to 10. Friday, watch out. Mostly sunny and hot with a high near 88. It's going to be a warm one. West winds 10 to 15. Friday night, a chance of showers after 1 a.m. And uh, mostly cloudy with a low around 60. West winds 6 to 13 miles an hour. Chance of precipitation is going to be 40%. Thursday evening, 6 to 8, it's Groove Shop with me, your host, Holbrook Williams. I hope you can join me for superb jazz to my taste. I play giants and inspired innovators. My goal is surprise and joy. That's Groove Shop every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 only on WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 Bangor and all over the world at WERU.org.